This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is United Soybean Board Treasurer, Megan Kaiser. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Missouri's Megan Kaiser, next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Missouri's Megan Kaiser is a wife, a mother, a soybean grower, a soil scientist, and a five-year member of the United Soybean Board. As USB Treasurer Kaiser says, her knowledge and appreciation of the soybean checkoff has grown over her time of service. First of all, you know, it went from a little line item on our on our uh, ticket when we sell grain to being something that I now realize is a part of really driving the industry. And it allows us as farmers to pinch in pennies, if you will, and be able to act as a major international corporation where we have our, our research and development arm uh, out of our supply committee looking at everything from seed technologies but also soil quality, new methodologies, and, and making sure that farmers have third-party research that helps us validate what we're, we're hearing from sales folks. And we also have the international demand component and even the domestic demand component where we're looking at ensuring uh, inclusion rates of soybeans into animal feed rations, but also looking beyond our borders and shipping whole bean or meal all over the world because we are the most sustainable choice for for soybeans. Would you say that being involved with other farmers through the checkoff program is helping you to have a role in your future? and for the future of the industry? Absolutely. I think it's, uh, there's, you know, it's not always easy farming, and sometimes it can be quite isolating in in many ways. You know, I look at, we had um, trade uh, disruption in 2018. In 2019, our whole farm flooded. Uh, in 2020, we had the a global pandemic, and all of those things could be very isolating, but it was because of those hard times uh, farming that, I realized that we continually had USB and the checkoff was continually looking forward and moving forward of trying to push those demand items. When In 2019, when you're just looking at water all over your farm, it's really hard to stay focused on future marketing opportunities and, and having the checkoff continually focused on that every day, uh, talking to other farmers about you know what's happening in their part of the world. Um, it's pretty amazing. There's a half million soybean farmers in our in our country and um, how diverse of circumstances that we work through and and the different crops that we rotate with so there's it's a very connecting feeling um, that we're all kind of pitching in and doing this together and and investing for the future of our own industry megan there are people in washington and people across the country that have a real angst toward checkoff programs can you understand the foundation of where they're coming from and perhaps even those that would that would challenge the validity of the soybean checkoff? 
I would hope that they would see the perspective that we have as this is farmers that are, you know, putting in a dollar and receiving $12.34 return on our investment. That we're, we're, our, we have this unique opportunity and this unique value in that it's, there's no bias. You know, what we're funding are things that farmers want to know and that farmers want to explore um, and that we're, you know, instead of always being the price taker of not only our inputs but our outputs, uh, the checkoff helps move us above that and and really kind of form our own destiny by saying we want to be in these markets. What do we need to do? This This is what's missing in our infrastructure. What information can we provide so that people know that this is the whole, the, the whole that we experience? That if we didn't have, um, you know, this ability to talk with media or um, the publications that USB is a, a part of, because we are a collective um, opportunity for farmers to to have a voice in our own in our own destiny, really. Are there areas of research that have led to opportunities that would not have been there? had it not been for a checkoff program. So immediately I think of the Hyolaic uh, investment, and this has been a, um, a long, you know, f- long-haul future shot that they uh, took at the United Soybean Board. And now I look at the opportunities it is releasing. Um, right now we have uh, leveraged our information and, and our um, knowledge about Hyolaic soybean oil, and Goodyear Tire is now going, has made a pledge of the next couple of decades to um, offset the petroleum used in their tires with soy oil, and that that's because of our investment in um, not only our investment to help Goodyear figure out the, the recipe, but also because we are producing the bean that produces the right oil. Uh, looking at green alternatives now for asphalt, uh, for concrete inclusion, for uh, plastics. You know, if you think about if every Coca-Cola bottle was made from U.S. soy-grown um, uh, products, that we would have, a, a, one, a more renewable source, but two, a biodegradable source, perhaps. And it's that basic research, that background research that we provide um, that has opened the doors that then companies can say, oh, look, I can use that as an input and put made with sustainable U.S. soy on my label. And that just furthers my differentiation in the marketplace. So in your effort to work towards something that would have been used in the cooking industry, you found the same chemistry also worked in other industry and other products. Exactly. I mean, it's the same idea that uh, you look at all of the things we gained because NASA was focused on going to the moon. And now we have, you know, computers in our hands through cell phones. A lot of that technology was developed because we were so focused on going to the moon um, that when you put out a challenge grant in some ways, you inspire innovation in ways that you can't foresee when you begin the project. So you work with the other directors of the United Soybean Board. You have money that comes from soy producers and the checkoff. Mm Mm-hmm. How detailed is the effort of determining where you're going to spend that money and how long you will spend money in particular areas? Yeah, a lot more detailed than I think anyone would expect. So we uh, we, we start with kind of the directors get together and we talk conceptually. These are the kind of 
work, the kind of project that we think is missing from our perspective. And we break out into, uh, you know, subcommittees or groups, but we kind of, um, under our new strategic plan, we have our supply team and our demand team. And then they, they have three groups under that where one is going to be focused on innovation and supply, another, uh, innovation and technology, excuse me. Uh, the other is infrastructure and connectivity, and then the the last um, area is uh, health and nutrition. So on the supply side, health and nutrition is soil health, plant health, and all the things that go into that on the supply side. But on the demand side, we're looking at animal and human nutrition and health. And, uh, you know, we think down the road of food as medicine is becoming kind of, oh, we're going to hear more and more about that. And so the checkoff is already looking, what kind of information do we need to make sure exists in the world that when people are thinking about food as medicine, the data and the numbers are already there, that we already have it there and, and that they choose to include U.S. soy. Can you be too conservative in where your research or where your search goes for opportunities? Sometimes finding out what doesn't work is is still on the path of discovery, and that's the beautiful part about the checkoff is it's it's not a profit organization. It's an investment tool, and that we can make the long bet, the long shot, and we're also constantly managing that too. And directors are not only making these investments, but then we want follow up. Where are we? Is that working like we thought it would? Um, and we, our our team at, at the USB staff is constantly working on how to to help us measure our progress and then see if we need to divert, if we need to keep going, um, or if we've uncovered a whole new opportunity um, that, that could lead to more inclusion. As Washington is focused on, as the nation is focused on, as the globe is focused on climate and sustainability, is this movement do you feel coming in an area that that it's coming to you as a soybean farmer because the crop that you raise is not just for animal feed and not just for fuel and not just for human consumption now that you have all of the things that the soybean can be is this is the world coming to you I, it's, it's our time to shine it's so incredibly exciting it is um, I was with USB at a meeting in New York City and in um, city official said thank you your beans um, are in the biodiesel that are in all of our sanitation trucks for the city of New York and that is cleaning up our air and that's important to us because we have an epidemic of childhood asthma in our city and it just kind of put me on my heels I never when I look out on my green soybeans on our farm and I see my kids running around and and uh, you know I'm picturing blue skies and clean air and I it just never occurred to me that not only are we feeding our food with our soybeans but our byproduct is helping to make people breathe easier I think you know not only as a farmer but as a mother and just a, a citizen of the world that's a pretty inspiring story I think that people are more and more focused on we talk about straws and plastics in the ocean well if we can make soy plastic that's bio you know holds up long enough to enjoy it with our drink but is biodegradable and doesn't have the same impact long term I mean that's a pretty exciting thing to be a part of I think about every plastic baggie that I use for you know toting kids around um, plastic is part of our lives so what better way is not just to tell people you can't use it anymore but to come up with drop-in replacements that include soy and 
every part of every life every day. I want to be very clear that I'm not asking you about policy here, but I'm looking from an educational standpoint, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking where there is the discussion now of the farmer's role in sustainability, the farmer's role in climate smart practices, the farmer's role. Do you feel that that you can play a role in helping to offset uh, the carbon situation that we have, not just in the country but in the globe, of, of sequestering carbon? One of the things we're currently looking at is, one, on-farm carbon sequestration, and two, how, how do our soybeans play a role in diminishing uh, carbon emissions from all sectors? Our number one front runner is a you know checkoff funded biodiesel. Uh, when we talk about reduced greenhouse gas emissions um, coming from biodiesel, not only putting it in everybody else's vehicle, diesel vehicle, but running it in our tractors and combines and every truck on the farm diminishes our our uh, footprint as well. And so then you have you're growing soybeans, you're capturing the CO2 that we emitted from our, our biodiesel, and then we're, you know, it, it's a cycle instead of just an emissions and a negative issue. And so we're very much already a green alternative. And because of the investment of farmers before me in, in ensuring that we build this biodiesel industry, we're ready today when the whole world is paying attention. And I think that's really exciting. That being said, we know there's still crush capacity, infrastructure issues, and making sure that uh, where those holes are is kind of where USB is looking at. Where What do we need to identify to make sure that the information is there uh, so that the right folks at some point can look at the numbers and, and make decisions? I want to move to an area that, that I know you're you're going to be able to offer some, some special comment toward. Dr. Rattan Law at The Ohio State University in a conversation suggested one of the most positive things we can do is pull carbon from the atmosphere and get it into the soil that actually more carbon in the soil improves soil health. So is the United Soybean Board, through the checkoff, are you looking at ways to improve the soil and help the atmosphere? Absolutely. And it's it's not a, there's no just like choice between soil health and good production and so that's why we can do both of these things and improve the environment improve our productivity Uh, i'm also a soil scientist and one of the things we focus on on our farm is tracking our progress we we take precision sampling we run those samples through the lab we go back and we put on based on the recommendations Uh, and when we look at the three legs of soil health is the physical aspect the uh, chemistry and the biological activity and these are not three uh, uh, unconnected things so we have we want to make sure that the physics are there because that's what stores the air and the water holding capacity so that it's there for the crop when they need it but it also is where the microbes live and we build the house for the microbes and the more work that those microbes can do the more carbon they can sequester they build that humus organic matter that holds on to our very valuable nitrogen and sulfur in the soil and then we look at the the fertility aspect of actually the nutrients that go into the plant the best place to get those is from the soil and they can be there as a a sink if you will and ready to support that plant health and so as we build 
a better soil to increase that nutrient turnover and that that uh, water and air holding capacity that also is a carbon holding capacity so i think it's wonderful that so much of the world is now focused on what i would argue farmers have been talking about for over a hundred years in the united states so some might suggest that there is a pathway that would lead to greater productivity for farmers like yourself and that there's a pathway that would lead to sustainability and perhaps soil health and that these two are a crossroad. I have heard that and I always kind of bring it back to Dr. William Albrecht was a soil microbiologist from Missouri and and he was very much that it has to be you know it's soil health and that soil health you can't just create nutrients out of thin air. That soil health then turns into plant health. And then that plant health, if you're not getting your nutrition from your food, then that animal can't be healthy. And if that animal isn't getting it from its food, then us as humans are, aren't going to get it. Or even if it's a direct line between plant and human. So there, there is... It's a false choice to say that it has to be separate. I'm, I'm very much a big believer that... Uh, I've seen very few more productive, unhealthy people than healthy people. Would you say through the research of the checkoff that you see areas where practices that are sustainable also lead to productivity? Yes. And we're also looking at this can be a differentiating factor. We know that more people want to buy soybeans from the U.S. because they know that they're sustainably produced and that we're not mining our, our, our fields, that we're, we're taking care of our soil, we're taking care of the nutrition in our crop. And as we look at the Soybean Sustainability Assurance Protocol, the SSAP, that the checkoff established about seven years ago, uh, we now have 65 exporters, US, U.S. exporters, using that certification. 100% of Europe and North Asia get that certification and request that, that SSAP certification when they purchase soybeans from the United States. So for the consumer who wants to know more about where food comes from, is that an initiative or is that a responsibility through the checkoff or is that a responsibility that you and other farmers are embracing now? I think agriculture as a whole has uh, understood that we have to be better at you know telling our story as, as many people talk about it. I think um, you know Mark and I have welcomed some delegations um, from other countries onto our farm so that they can see it. I think there is a, a human connection with food that we feel better about knowing how it's produced and that the people who are producing it care about what they're doing. And so I think there is a, an aspect to play there. Uh, I also think that the checkoff helps to put us in the rooms with some of these larger companies that even, you know, if you look at um, large food companies may not necessarily understand who produced the grain that's in in their food and i think having that connection helps that when they say hey we want to be more sustainable we say hey we can help you with that and the checkoff helps us make those connections especially with you know more of the corporate uh, food companies how closely is technology tied to sustainability i think it is our proof of concept you know, when I look at um, my soil test results, when I look at, um, you know, my, and matching that up with my yield, matching it up with my the experiments we ran with different fertilizers, different inputs, um, I think it's our proof of concept, and I think that it will only be made possible if we have better connection 
uh, to the internet, frankly. I mean, one of the biggest frustrations I've had on the farm is that um, getting to upload my my maps and my data, it's, it's very data intensive what we're working on. Um, and there are some really cool tools, you know, now John Deere is putting a, basically a modem in every tractor and combine. And so as soon as we're going, we're getting real live data is uploading to the cloud and we're able to get that. But if my desk in the office doesn't have enough internet access, it doesn't do me a whole lot of good. I can't overlay the data and make data-driven decisions. And so that that's going to be a linchpin. And that is something that, again, I don't know exactly how we can possibly help yet, but we do know that um, farmers need better connectivity, and, and that's a big part of our, our new strategic plan. Again, not asking you from a policy perspective, but from an educational perspective and from an opportunity for soybean growers. We clearly have to have fuel to run the nation. So from the research perspective and the promotional aspect of soy, how important is renewable fuel? You were the first to offer soy biodiesel. You did that by yourselves with funding. But what's the future and what's the direction and how important to the vitality of your industry and growers? I think if you want to reduce your carbon footprint, you want to choose a fuel that will help you do that. It's it's a drop-in replacement, you know, just by including, and again, we're working on the science and the data uh, has, you know, is, is somewhat evolving as we become more efficient. But looking at what kind of, what is the reduction, if I put in uh, B10 and B20, uh, we think it's, you know, somewhere around 7 to 14 percent reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. And when I'm driving my car, I don't notice a difference. I think it's much more likely that people will look for a green alternative and and choose it because a, a drop-in replacement is so much easier than changing our, our entire habits and the way that we live. I think this last year really showed us that we like to travel, we like to move, we like to connect with people in person, um, that biodiesel can be a big part of not feeling guilty about uh, hurting the planet as we, we move about and, and um, as we transport our goods. I think the, the country is really looking at cars run on electric, but we're still going to need trucks. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people like getting their shipments from Amazon or having direct groceries and things like that. Those trucks are still going to need diesel fuel for at least the foreseeable future, but we can make that a green diesel fuel. And uh, I think the future is right there for us to, to be a drop-in replacement. Well, Megan Kaiser, I know it's busy on the farm. I know it's busy being a mom and certainly being a volunteer with an agriculture group like the United Soybean Board. Thank you for taking time on the sidelines of the Farm Progress Show in Decatur as our conversation has taken place. Thanks for your time here. This is Open Mic, and in Open Mic, you have the last word. Well, I really appreciate you, Jeff, for, for doing this. And uh, your questions have really run the gamut of everything that um, we're working on. And I think somebody asked me, well, is, is the United Soybean Board really focused on sustainability? And I think everything we do leads back up to sustainability. I think what we do on our farm, that is our differentiation factor. That is what makes U.S. soy so special. And uh, it, it, it's really a pride point. So my big open mic moment is to tell all farmers to embrace this. This is our time to shine. Um, that sustainability is far from a, a dirty word for us, but actually um, a huge opportunity to play an even bigger role 
in the, the future, not only of our local communities, our states, our, our country, but on a, on a global scale. Our thanks to Missouri soybean grower and USB director Megan Kaiser, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nelly.